you survived. Talia, you did the best. You were a trooper. You did amazing. You barely flinched. These guys, they weren't as tough as you. No way. All right, Father, I do pray for the Word this morning, and my heart's desire is that you'd be glorified in the Word, that you'd help me uh, teach what's edifying and to build up and to encourage, and also, Lord, maybe to convict, to convince, to admonish, Lord, and just whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, I just pray the Word flows out of my heart. I love your Word, Jesus, and I pray you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, as we're listening and hearing the Word let it go into our hearts and produce what you want to produce from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 13. Does everybody bring your Bible to church? Yeah, bring a Bible. Now, you can use your phone. It's okay. But we, we're going to put a uh, text alert sensor. If you start shooting text off instead of reading your Bible, we're going to put a sensor out there to catch you doing it kids. But if you have a physical Bible, there's nothing really better than bringing a physical Bible. Sometimes I'll carry a, my phone and use it, but a physical Bible, who thinks a physical Bible is better? It's tangible, you can look at it, learn it, digest it. What I like those portable Bibles for is when I do scripture comparison, I'll look at one translation, then another translation, I like those, but I like to, to dig in. Now, as believers, did you ever see that movie called, was it The Book of Eli or Eli? Remember that? What'd they call The Book of Eli? What'd they call those people? They were people of the book, right? They were people of the book. They, they were all about the book. And you found out in that movie, at the end of the movie, the book that this guy was protecting, it was the only one left. It was a treasure and this guy, Denzel Washington, one of my favorite actors anyway, but uh, he was protecting this book and he was trying to get it to safety. And these criminals were trying to steal this book from him and he's traveling, he's blind, but I think somehow the book is in Braille or something like that. And he finally gets this book to a library for protection and you find out that the book was the Bible at the end of the movie. And they called, everybody was trying to steal that book. They were trying to get it. They had these guys that were traveling land and sea, trying to take it from him. And he was defending the book. And the book was the Bible. Now, as Christians, we're called, you know, we're people of the book. We believe, do we not, that the Bible is the Word of God. How many believe the Bible is the Word of God? Absolutely believe the Bible is the Word of God, Old and New Testament. And it's God's communication to us. And I understand, and I, I say this often, but we do need to rightly divide the Word. We can't just pull stuff out of arbitrarily and try to make sense out of the Bible. And that's why I always pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation when we study it, because we want to understand it. But when we have heard from God, when we read His Word, and we have understanding, we need to know that we are literally hearing from God. Amen? It's like some, someone says, well, I haven't heard God recently, or God seems distant. Get your Bible, dust it off, and begin to read your Bible, and God will talk to you from the Scriptures. He'll open up your heart. He'll speak to you personally. I am very much addicted to the Scriptures. Anybody else like that? I mean, I get up in the morning, and I just I get my coffee and, or, or, or my tea, 
and I just sit down, and it is not unusual for me to spend hours in the Bible because I know there is so much treasure in there. There is so much wisdom in there. How many of you, you need more love in your life? You want to you love more. You want to give more love out, huh? I, I know it's in that book. If I meditate in that book, how many of you want more power to serve God, to do more from God, right? How many of you want more wisdom? You want to walk in more wisdom. Who wants more peace in their life? Peace, love, joy. I want more peace in my life. I want more joy. And what I'm really saying is I want more of God in my life. How about you? So when I go to the Bible, I go at it like it's a treasure and I'm digging in there and I'm asking the Lord to open my heart and mind to it. So I cannot, I do not want you to minimize the scriptures when I'm preaching. I'll say it all the time. You know, sometimes people raise an eyebrow and, and you know, I don't know where you're coming from. Get in the word. Everything I preach, go home, get in your Bible, find out if it's true, dig it out for yourself, read the scriptures in front of the scriptures I read and read the scriptures behind it, pray over it and digest it. I heard a man say one time, and it's true, he said, one word from God could change your whole life. Think about it. If you believe God is real, who believes God's real? If you really believe God's real, then one word from God could change your whole life. If we could just learn, and I'm not going to preach out of there today, although we have a date with it coming, if we just believe Mark 11, 23, and 24, it would change your whole life. Who knows Mark 11, 23, and 24? If we just believe that and really believed it, it would change your whole life, the way you saw things, the way, way you operated. So I just want to encourage us to be people of the book and to dig in. And today, <clears throat> I want to preach out of, in Matthew 13... The parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. As a pastor, as a Christian, I have seen this parable of the sower play out in so many lives. Seen it right in front of me. Just play out. And it is absolutely how things work. The parable of the sower. Let me go ahead and read it to you. Matthew 13, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into the boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood beside the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, first of all, when we're reading the Bible, when we see Jesus, when we see Jesus, who is he the perfect reflection of? God the Father, right? You will notice, and I notice these things, I hope you do, when I'm reading about Jesus, I'm seeing characteristics of God. One of the reasons I believe so strongly in healing, divine healing, what did Jesus do all the time? He healed people all the time. And he, if He's displaying God, and He's demonstrating God, and He has the character and nature of God, obviously God's a healer. Someone say amen, because it's true. <laughs> One of the characteristics of the Lord, though, you'll see it over, and he's a teacher. He's always teaching. He always stops, 
and he teaches. Even his disciples, when he's interacting with them, he stops and he'll teach them. He's always trying to get something across. So I look at God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son, they are very much interested in teaching us. God wants to teach you. Do you know, if you take time with the Word of God and you pray and you ask God to father you, say, God, father me. I need your wisdom. Father me. Jesus, teach me. By the very nature of the New Testament, by the very nature of Jesus, you know that Jesus will teach you. In fact, the Word of God says, if you need wisdom, if you need wisdom, if you need wisdom, you ask God for it and God will give you wisdom. And he said he won't even criticize you or find fault with you. He'll give you wisdom. Of course, we have to believe that he'll do it. Amen. He is very eager and excited to teach you when you come to him with a humble heart and say, Lord, teach me. So one of the things you see about Jesus over and over again is he's a teacher and he's beginning to teach his disciples this parable. In fact, he tells them if they don't understand this parable, they won't understand any parables. They need to understand this parable. He says, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up, and the thorns choked the seed. Other seed fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He, she, who has ears, listen. Jesus, if you have ears to hear, listen. In that statement right there, having ears to hear, is so important. I work with a lot of people. I, work, I, I, I deal with people that are completely lost. And I am amazed that you could be standing in front of somebody, and you know this, you, you could be standing in front of somebody and you have the answer for that person. And they never really listen. You've proved this thing in your life you have wisdom, and you're just so eager. You want to help them say, hey, I've learned something. I don't know everything, but I know this. God has showed me, and you're so eager. And you might finally, they let you talk. They take a breath, and you might finally say something, and they just dismiss it like, woof, right out of hand, and they begin to tell you their wisdom, what they've learned about it. And their wisdom is not working. Someone say amen. One of the things that, I like to do when what I'm doing is not working, when I, what I'm doing is not succeeding, I like to get before God and say, God, where am I missing it? Where am I missing it? I am far, I am not God, I can miss it. Lord, where am I missing it? Talk to me. I listen to other people, what people are telling me. I, get my, I listen to preachers, I get in the Word. Where am I missing it? Jesus says, she who has ears to hear, let her hear. Listen up. And, he, and, and Jesus uses his phraseology all the time because he knows that many people's ears are not open. And he's encouraging people to open their ears and listen. Then his disciples came and said, why do you speak to us in parables? And he answered, 
To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not. They were given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, I believe. There could be different reasons. I don't know every reason, but they were obedient. They were obedient. They were doing what Jesus said. The secret to getting more revelation is to take the revelation that you have, what God is teaching you, and act on it. If you want to be deceived in the word, if you want to be deceived, don't do what the Lord tells you to do, and it's pure deception coming your way. James the apostle said, if you don't do the word, you'll be deceived by it. How many know that? Uh, wow. Someone say, well, it is a way. It's a wow. It is a wow moment because we think we can hear the word and decide whether we're going to obey or whether we're going to do it. But by just not doing it, we harden our hearts and we deceive ourselves by not doing the word. These apostles, like many, maybe most of you, were like you. They're obeying God. How many are obeying God? At least you want to. You want to obey God, right? If your heart is poised to obey, God will reveal. That is that parable. That's that saying. You've heard it. It seems so unfair where Jesus said, whoever has a lot, I'm going to give them more. Does that seem fair to you? Whoever has a lot, I'm going to give them more. Whoever just has a little bit, I'm going to take away the little bit that they have. Isn't that something? That's because those that have a lot are putting it to use, and they're growing in the kingdom. They're growing in God. So the disciples can come to Jesus. They say, Lord, explain, and he is going to reveal to them because they're disciples. They're following him. He's going to reveal. You can't even know the word of God truly in its essence without being obedient to it. There's like a built-in thing where if you don't obey it, it doesn't unlock. Wisdom actually says, wisdom cries out in the book of Proverbs. You ought to read this in Proverbs. Wisdom says, hey, I cried out to you. I was knocking at your door. I was knocking and you would not open. You would not listen to me. Now when your calamity comes, I'm shutting my door. That's what wisdom said to the foolish. I was knocking on your door. I was crying out to you. You would not listen. Now your calamities come and you don't have an answer. Someone say amen. The good news is you're all obedient, right? Someone, right? Wave your hand if you're obedient. Come on, everybody. If you're not, just wave it a little bit. Say, I'm going to be obedient, brother Brad. Do you know God wants to bless you? Don't let me get off my target here, Lord. God desires, He earnestly desires to bless you. It is He is your Father. He wants to bless you. So He says to His followers, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom. For, uh, for to the one who has been given, uh, there it is, He will have more in abundance. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, and they do not understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, saying, you will indeed hear but not understand, you will see but not perceive. The people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear. And with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. I want to heal them. I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, 
and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. Now listen up. This is how the kingdom of God works. You need to know this. This is exactly, and I have seen it play out in person after person. I've seen it play out in my own life. This is how the kingdom of God works. It works that way for me. It works that way for you. It worked that way for Peter. It worked that way for Paul. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, now Matthew says word of the kingdom in the book of Mark and the book of Luke in the parable of the sower, it says the word of God, okay? The word of God. Really, it's, it's really the same. You're hearing the word of God. The word of God is the word of the kingdom. When we are born again, the word says we've been translated out of one kingdom and we've been brought into another kingdom. So as Christians, we have been born of the spirit into a new world, into God's kingdom, and the word of the kingdom is the word about God's kingdom. I can say more about that. I I, I won't. I'll, I'll get off track. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their heart. So the first type of person... Either they don't have their ears open, Charlie, or their heart is hard, or there's some resistance there. Something's going on, but you give the word of the kingdom, you give the word of God. Now, I believe truly this can be a Christian that's kind of shut down because I've seen it, and this could be a non-believer, right, that you're preaching the gospel to them, and their heart is hard toward the gospel, or they're not opening their heart to the gospel, and as soon as they hear it, for whatever reason, they shut it down. You know, we go down on Wednesdays and we talk to uh, the addicted or we talk to people that struggle. There are some that are humble and they are listening, but you can tell there are many, they're not ready to change so that word just bounces right away. It just doesn't get in there. And we just say, hey, we're just going to keep loving people, right? We're not, we're not there to, we don't go down there to judge them. Everyone's going to get judged by God. Someone say amen. That's the truth. Everyone in this room Pastor, I'm telling you, you will all stand before God just like I will. You're a believer. You'll answer for your life, whether you followed God's plan for your life or you just followed your own plan. If you're a non-believer, you've never given your life to God, you will stand and answer for your life. And there will be an eternal separation from God and His kingdom. Pretty heavy, huh? But it's the truth. As a believer, we're accountable. God has a purpose and plan for each of us, and we will all stand before God and answer. And I believe because God is so generous and He's so loving, I really believe that God wants to reward us. I I believe everything you do good in life, God is eager. He's not wanting to um, chasten you on the day of judgment. He's not a bad father. He's going to try to... He wants to bless you. So you can't even give a cup of water to a prophet, or to a believer where God won't reward you. Any good thing you do, I believe that when you stand before God, God will bless you and reward you for it. But also, there is a purpose and a plan for your life that God has. And we can know it as we obey the Lord. How many of you are walking in God's plan for your life? You don't have to raise your hand. All right, so he says, uh, Satan comes and he steals it immediately because their heart is not ready. So we'll go back and we'll sow that seed again. We'll go back again and again 
We don't need to judge people. We, we want to love people. Uh, we believe God is love. We want to go down. We're going to sow that seed again. We're going to go down again and talk to them. We're going to reach out again. We're going to go again and again. I believe as long as you're alive, you have a chance. All right. This is what was sown along the path. And as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he or she has no root in themselves. They last just a little while, but when tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. I want you to listen to this. This could be someone, the word comes to them. It could be a, a word about anything. Just could be a word about following Jesus. It could be a word about not worrying. It could be a word about your wife or your husband. It could be a word about God's provision in your life. It could be a word about, about your health. It's something in your life where God gives you the word of the kingdom on it. And when you hear it, that word, it's so exciting. I think of city quake, okay? <laughs> I, I didn't want to. I think of city quake. It, the, the parable of the sower works out perfectly in city quake. When we did the city quake, we hear about being a witness for Jesus and we get excited and we say, Yeah, I want to do that. I want to be a witness for Jesus. I want to share Christ with people. And so we come and we, we sign up and we're going to be a witness for Jesus and we're going to go out and run for Jesus. But maybe we go out and we start sharing Jesus and maybe it's not as good as all the stories that we're told. We experience a little tribulation, experience a little persecution. We have a down day and there's, there's even more. The, the next part is even, and all of a sudden that joy that we had in sharing Jesus and preaching the gospel or sharing Christ, all of a sudden that joy starts waning a little bit. It's not quite as exciting when we're suffering a little bit from it. Or maybe we're experiencing a little bit of fear. Satan will come and try to steal the word that God has put in your heart through persecution. Now, this is something that Christians in this day and age, and I've seen it over and over, and listen to this, listen to this very carefully, because many of you, I know your lives, and this is where we miss it. When there comes something in your life that's a negative and it challenges the promise of God, okay, and you start getting tribulation or persecution because you're believing the word of God and Satan challenges it. You might hear the word about forgiving. As Christians, we forgive everybody, don't we? And how many know that you're supposed to forgive? But the minute you decide that you are going to forgive, all of a sudden you come under attack. Or you might have somebody turn on you. Or, or things happen in your life. And all of a sudden, that word of forgiveness or that word of walking in love, it's challenged immediately. And you'll have tribulation because of that word. In fact, there are many things. There, there are marriages in this church. And God will speak to you. You're having trouble with your spouse, male or female. You're having some trouble in your marriage. And the Lord will give you wisdom. He'll come to you. He'll sow a seed in your heart about how to succeed in your marriage. Maybe your partner will never succeed. Maybe they're not going to repent and do right. But God will give you the key. This is how you succeed in your marriage. He'll tell you how to do it. And, and, and we know there's good words out there on it. And immediately, that rascal 
your husband or your wife, there'll be so much pressure on you to give up in despair and quit on your spouse. Satan will come and challenge that word. Did God say that love never fails? Right? Did God say I have to love this person more than I love myself? Am I supposed to lay down my life for my spouse? Is that what the Word of God says? I'm to lay down my life? You mean it's really not all about me? There's a bigger picture here? Satan will burn. If he, if he can offend you or come in and attack, could be friendships, could be any type of relationship, but if Satan can come in and cause offense in your life, cause trouble in he will try to steal a ministry that you have by offending you, causing you to give up on it. You may have a prophetic gift, and then someone criticizes your prophetic gift, and it, it offends you or hurts you, and I'm never going to do that again. Anybody ever experienced that? Thank you, Mike. I'm never going to step out again. We are in a war because the, our, the enemy of our soul knows that if we get a hold of this word of God, the word of God, and we really start living like the revolutionary Christians that Jesus describes in the Bible, we will conquer the world. We will win our neighbor. We will overcome. But he will throw dart after dart after dart trying to stop you. But as Joshua and Caleb said, we're well able to overcome. We've got to make a quality decision. Is Satan after you or is he after that word that was sown in your heart? He's after the word. You're not a threat to him unless you believe God. God told Abraham, you're going to have a son. And Abraham could not have children. His days of uh, potency were over. But God told him he was going to have a son. And even in the faith, uh, face of his inability to have a child, he kept believing God according to the word that was spoken. He continued to put his faith in God. Wasn't in his good works. Wasn't in what he believed what God told him. The enemy will challenge you in the area of healing. I have seen it challenged in my own life so many times. You read, by his stripes I was healed. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He forgives all my iniquities and he heals all my diseases. Lord, I believe you. I'm believing you for this healing. And immediately pressure comes in on the word. Brother Brad, did you hear sister so-and-so died of this? Brother Brad, did you hear this person stepped out and hear what happened? Or someone and you began to believe God and immediately like a torrent... Satan comes in to steal the word that you were believing from God. We have a lady sitting in our congregation. Her mom and dad absolutely stood on the word of God. She gave her testimony here. When they stood on the word of God, there was time and time again where Satan tried to come and take that word from her mom and dad. But they said, no, she is going to live and she is not going to die. And she was that close to dying many, many times. But thank God... She had parents that believed the Lord and stood for her, and she's in here today. I don't know how many of you came to hear Kathleen. I wish you would have. Kathleen believed God for healing. I mean, people were believing with her. They were standing with her. They were agreeing with her. 
until she was on her literal deathbed. How many heard her testimony? She had scriptures painted all over her hospital room, healing scriptures. And finally, it got so bad, and she got so weak, and her numbers went so low, the doctors said, she's going to die. She is going to die. And her husband gave up and said, honey, we just need to face the facts. You're going to die. Her church finally gave up and said, you need to face the facts. You're going to die. She never gave up. You got to hear her testimony. On the day that her numbers were the lowest and the news was the bleakest, in the face of everything that the doctors were saying, she had a promise from God and she stood on that word in all the persecution, all the tribulation that came at that word. She didn't give up on it. Her markers changed from that day forward and she went on a constant improvement until what was it, about six months ago, she was in here preaching and giving God glory for healing her body. Someone say amen. 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 I, am, I have no doubt she could have just given up and died right there, like Job's wife. Jeff, I won't argue the curse God and die or bless God and die. She just said give up and die. Well, it's more than healing. It's more than blessing. It's the, it's the pressure on our life to quit following Jesus. That's the number one pressure that we face, to give up and to let go of Jesus. Bad things do happen to good people. Things that happen that are inexplicable and persecution happens. And this is one thing that will drive Christians away. I have a lot of scriptures. Maybe I'll get to them later. No, I'm not going to have time. But there are many scriptures that teach us and talk to us about how to handle tribulation in the Christian life. If we think that we are going to believe God and serve God and we are not going to be challenged, you are mistaken. We are going to be challenged. You're going to have people that may walk out of your life. It could happen. I like what Dan Moeller says. Sometimes we make this about us that God died and he buried and rose from the dead so we could have a better day. So we could claim, you know, my children are blessed and I'm safe and everything's perfect in my life. He said, we are really saved so we can be radically on fire for Jesus. He said, it's really and honestly, and this is how I look at the gospel. It's really honestly about our passion and our love for Jesus and the persecution and the tribulation and the trials are meant to snuff that out and to take the word of God out of your heart. Amen? Don't let it. Don't let them. Put up a guard. Okay, I, I want to get to this last one. And I think this is, could be the most common way that the enemy tries to take the Word of God out of our heart. He says, As for what is sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the Word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the the word, and it proves to be unfruitful. This is one, I think, for the American Christian and the American church. It's not that we give up on God. It's not that we quit following God. It's maybe not even that we quit going to church, but we get so busy with other things. We get so busy with so many other things. Honestly, some of us are so busy, we don't even have time to ask God what he might want us to do because we're too busy. 
We have the, it got quiet on that one. Wow. We have the cares of this world, everything that we're about, everything that we're doing, and worry and concern. We're looking to the right. We're looking to the left. So many things going on that the word becomes unfruitful in our life, and we kind of give up on it. I think this is the number one challenge that I have in the day and age that we live is just to be a normal Christian or to be complacent and just be like everybody else, seemingly. Just be a Christian like everybody else. Don't get too carried away. Don't get too fanatical. Don't get too... And yet, and yet, the whole purpose of Jesus dying for us is that we would in turn give our lives to him and put him first in our life, make him the number one priority. And in fact, Christianity or following Jesus does not even work any other way. All the promises, when we, as my, originally was going to preach a message, where's the beef? When we focus on everything but Jesus, when we get our, even focusing on God's blessings and focusing over here, and we, we get our minds on so many different directions that we stop focusing on what the purpose and will of God is for our life, we can't, we can't even walk in the kingdom anymore. It just doesn't work. He's just, either Jesus is Lord of our life or He's not. Hey. I am imperfect in this. How about you? Flip over to Philippians chapter 3. I know I preach on these things quite a bit, and I, I believe the Lord must want me to preach on these things. Folks, that word that you have, the word of the kingdom or the word of the gospel, it's powerful. Everything that you need for life and godliness is in Jesus. Everything that you need to be successful in your calling or to get where you're going to go, it's in Jesus. You don't have to worry. The Bible says if you seek the kingdom first, you don't have to worry. God, we have one responsibility, and that's to find out God's purpose for our life and pursue it. Amen. That's the truth. Do you know every apostle, I think with the exception of John, died for the gospel? How many knew that? Every apostle. Do you know our leader, the leader of the church of Jesus Christ, Jesus himself? You know he died, right? The gospel message isn't about really, and I, I'm not saying this to be critical of any preachers, but it's not really about what we can do in this life so we can become famous. It's about laying down our life. It's about dying to ourself. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to fill our life and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and we can be useful in God's kingdom. And there is so much joy in that. The most joyful I ever am in life is not when I hold on to my life, not when I want to get my own way. I have more fun in my marriage, not when I, when I want to get my own way. That's when things get tough in marriage. Someone say amen. When I am not, not on Pam's side, she's a sweetie on my side. When, <laughs> was, was that a save there? When I am trying to get my own way, or when I'm just seeking out for me, or, you know, I want to know the, the keys to success for me, my Christian life is not true. When I really do lay down my life, and I give, and I serve the way, 
joy floods my life. Okay, turn, uh, Philippians chapter 3. Paul was a very successful religious person. I'm going to end with this scripture. I had so many more scriptures. But Paul was a very successful religious person. He was taught by Gamaliel. Gamaliel was the best teacher in, in Israel, one of the best teachers, and he was taught the law. He was advancing in his career. He was going to be very successful in his religion. He, you know, he had been a rabbi and got promoted, and, and that's what he was after. He was after self-promotion and self-glory in this religion, and he was very zealous for his religion. He said, if anybody, chapter 3, verse 4, he said, if anybody had reason for confidence in the flesh, he said, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the people of Israel. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrew. As concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, I persecuted the church. As to the righteousness which is under the law, that means legal righteousness, I was blameless. But whatever was gained to me, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Why, Paul? In order that I may gain Christ. Isn't that powerful? Christ is the treasure hidden in the field. Your joy is in Christ. Your peace, if you don't have peace out there, your peace is in Christ. Your joy, your purpose, your meaning, it's in Jesus. Your love, the flow, it's in Christ. He said, I considered all that success, the, the money I was making, the position I had, when I had a glimpse of Jesus, and I saw Jesus, said, I considered it all wasted, every bit of it. I want to be found in Him, not having my own righteousness. That's that legal righteousness He was talking about, the righteousness that comes from the law. But I want to have the righteousness that comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and depends on my faith in Christ that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, that I may share in His sufferings. And that's really suffering for other people greatly. It's other things too. The more you know Jesus, the more you, the more you suffer for other people. You really do. It hurts. Becoming like Him in His death, that by some means possible, I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not that I have already obtained, nor have been already perfected, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, and I strain forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, here, here's a key here. He says, let those who are mature think this way. And if you think in any other way, if you think in any other way, 
God will reveal that to you. Those that are good soil, hear me, the noble heart and the peril. You got a good noble heart? You're good soil for the gospel? He said, think this way. Christ or the world? Jesus is number one. When we have Jesus, we really have everything. Someone say amen. Amen. Your provision is there. The relationships that God wants to bring into your life, they're right there in Jesus. The real the friendships, the real, they're all in Christ. Your satisfaction, your joy, when we receive that, uh, the seed of Christ into our heart, everything we want. What, what are you chasing after? Maybe you're, I hope and pray, maybe you're chasing after Christ. We're all chasing after something. The way the human heart, Mike, can you come up? I want to just, just play behind me. Just play something behind me. And this is how the human heart works. And you should know that. We are made to worship God. Did you know that? We're literally made to worship God. When we don't worship God, we will put something else on the throne of our heart instead of God. That's how I know when I'm starting to go this way or that way. It is not hard to follow God when Jesus, it's not, because it's not about legalism and it's not about law. When we really experience God's love and we enthrone Jesus, I had everybody pray today in their prayer. They said, Jesus, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. When we allow Jesus to be enthroned in our heart and we worship God, what we were created for, living for God, is not hard. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. He fills us with his love. He fills, I I know this from personal experience, when I get this right and I'm focusing on Jesus first and I'm following him, everything else flows out of that. When I get my eyes on me, I get my eyes on this and I start focusing over here and over here, then everything can get out of whack. There was a book written by a guy and it's so true. He said, Christ plus nothing equals everything. Mike, you can play if you get your guitar. And here's what I want to do. I, I don't know if you're here today. When I'm out on the street and I'm sharing Jesus with folks, and you guys saw that I did with the guy, David. We, we talked to a guy, first guy we talked to in the church building we were at. I just shared the simple gospel with him. And I want to share that with you. And I want to ask you a question today in this simple gospel. The gospel is this that God loves you and God created you for fellowship for eternity. Listen to the good news I'm preaching. You were made in the image of God to worship God. That's the reason why you're here. If not, you're going to die and return to dust and you're done. There is nothing else. You're just material atoms and dirt and you're going to die and return to dust. Or you were created by a God And we know that God, and God created you for fellowship. And God loves you. And you may be away from God in this room today, and that that never changed God's love for you. God still loves you. No matter how far you've wandered away from God, God still loves you. The problem is, 
is that we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. Everybody in this room, believer, non-believer, we've all sinned. And I like to share it this way, and this is how I shared it with Dave yesterday. I said, that creates a problem for God. How is that a problem for God? God loves you and you've sinned. How does that create a problem for God? God is holy and he's completely sinless. And that's a problem for God because God wants to fellowship with you. He loves you, but a holy and sinless God cannot fellowship with darkness. And when man sinned, he fell into darkness. And every human on this planet has sinned. I've sinned a bunch. I've sinned a lot. That creates a problem for God. It also creates a problem for you because you're separated from God, a God that loves you. But God, in his foreknowledge and plan, he had a plan and he took care of your sin problem and he took care of your separation problem. God sent Jesus and Jesus died for you. Jesus died for you. He literally took your sins on the cross and he was nailed your sin to that cross. It was punished for your very sins, yours and mine. And if you can hear it, if you have ears to hear, he took the old sinful person you used to be that you buried today in the water. He took that person to the cross and he died right there and he died your death. And God declares every human being in this room and in this planet, he declares through my son, I'm looking at you now and I'm saying by my grace, you are not guilty. Because of what I took your sins, you are not guilty. That's why Christian, you do not need to live in condemnation. I'm hungry for God, I am. And I know when I don't get focused on God and, and, and I need to refocus, but I'm not living my life in condemnation, I'm living my life in pursuit of a king. And I haven't attained it yet, but that's my goal. This king died for you, bore your sins, was buried and he rose from the dead. When he rose from the dead, he literally took your old sinful existence and raised you up with him and he gave you a new life. That's what being a new creature means. In his identification with you as a sinner, but he also ident identified with you in his righteousness. I was stuck this week and I'm closing. I know I'm late. I was stuck this week on this word in Romans 3 that said, God credits your faith to you as righteousness. I just got stuck there. Wait a minute, Lord. And he said, apart from works, apart from works. Brad, I credit your faith in me, your love, your trust in me. I credit that to you as righteousness. I said, well, Lord, I have faith in you. Yeah, and I look at you as righteous. Like, wow. I mean, it dawned on me like an atomic bomb, like boom. You mean, I mean, I understand it, but now I understand it greater. You credit me righteousness, not because I'm dotting all my I's and crossing all my T's, but because I have faith in Jesus. Yes, yes, that's why I look at you as, because you have trust in my son. My son bore way more than you realize that he bore. And when you put your faith in my son, that's how I look at you. Now there's more as you go on in Romans. We'll stop there for now. And I just sat in that scripture 
realizing that because I have faith in Jesus, I am completely forgiven, I am absolved, I'm not under condemnation, and I just thank Jesus for it. I thank him for it. I don't know about you, but I was lost and I've been found. Now here's the key, the key for David, the man yesterday, and the key for us is the fourth little quadrant here. What are we gonna do about it? If you're in this room and you've never made Jesus Lord or you've walked away from God and you, you've walked away from the Lord or you've never given your life to the Lord, you're in the valley of decision right now. That's what an altar call is. You're in a valley of decision. You're hearing the word of God. God loves you. You've sinned and that's a problem for you and for the loving God. But he solved that problem in Jesus and if you give your life to Jesus, if you accept his gracious gift on the cross, he will make you righteous again. He will restore your relationship when you say, what was that word Mike had this morning? Yes. When you say yes. If you haven't done that, you're going to leave here and you have no assurance for eternity. On every eye closed, every head bowed. Don't play around with this today. <laughs> 